0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, it's really good to see all of you here today, and I hope you're really excited about today's passage. And uh, let's go to God in prayer to ask Him to help us understand it. So let's pray to God together. Dear Father, as we come before you today, as we look at your word, we pray that we may really examine our hearts, that we will not be like hypocrites, but indeed, to really live as your people. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Many years ago, uh my friend, I'm not sure talk about my friend, huh? My dad had a friend of more than forty years. And this friend, together with a group of other friends, uh used to go out for lunch every Friday. And this went on for years, right? Years and years. They used to have lunch every Friday this group of them. This group of people were quite wealthy. And uh, they used to frequent a lot of very expensive restaurants, live in very big houses, play golf. And they used to change their cars every two years. Okay, We're not talking about Corollas and Hondas, but like Lexus and Jaguars and Mercedes and BMWs. But then this friend of my dad, who he knew for 40 years, suddenly disappeared. He just stopped contacting anybody. Nobody saw him on Fridays. He just disappeared into thin air. And what happened was, they learned later on that this uh, friend of theirs had been incurring huge, huge debts over time because his business wasn't doing well, things were not doing well financially. But the amazing thing was, over this whole period, this friend of theirs never ever seemed to show that he was struggling financially. He would, he would treat everybody for lunch just like normal. He would change his cars every two years, just like everybody else. He continued to live in a very, very big house. But all along, behind the scene, he was actually struggling very difficult, great difficulties financially. So why did this friend of my father do that? If he was struggling financially, why did he bother to keep changing his car over and over? Why didn't he sell his house and and scale down and move to a HDB or to live in a small flat or something? Why did he treat uh, people to expensive meals on Fridays when he couldn't afford it? And I think it comes down to the fact that he wanted to impress people. He wanted to impress his friends who used to be thinking that he was very rich. He wanted to impress people like my father. And I think that we can be just like that right we buy watches not to tell the time but to tell people that i've got an expensive watch you know we could buy shoes not because they're very comfortable but because somebody very famous wears it or you know i might uh, wear a particular brand or shirt because i'm trying to communicate uh, who i am now this is a uh, something that is not just limited to i guess uh, the the material world that we live in but also, in terms of what it means for us as Christians. So over the last few weeks, we've seen how, if you look on the slide up here, that Jesus is actually the Son of God. He's actually God's King, the Saviour King come into the world. And with the coming of Jesus, He brings the Kingdom of Heaven, the Kingdom of God, into this world right now. And the way that we enter into the Kingdom is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that means that when we live as Christians, we have to adopt the values of the kingdom of heaven. We do not have the values of Singaporeans, we do not have the values of Australians or the values of Canadians or Americans. We have the kingdom of God values. And if you look at chapter 5 verse 20, which is up here, uh, you will see that Jesus said that the values of the people who are his disciples must be more righteous in their living, in their acting, in their behavior than the Pharisees of the day. And we saw that last week in terms of moral righteousness. Okay, moral righteousness. So last week, we talked about things like, oh, you know, it's not just about murdering someone, like the Pharisees were talking about, but hating them in your heart. If you are a kingdom person, You recognize that God sees the hate in your heart and sees that the hate is wrong. It's not just about committing adultery with people, but actually having lust in your heart. And it's not just about making oaths, but telling the truth. And it's about loving your enemies. So this week, Jesus trains His sights, not on moral righteousness, but on religious righteousness. Doing the religious things. So, if you look at the bulletin or you look at your Bibles or your phones or your iPads or whatever, um, you see that the principle comes in verse 1 of chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, what he's saying here is that there is a huge distinction between what the Pharisees were doing and what Christians, the disciples of Jesus, would be doing. Not in terms of outward action, but in terms of motivation. So, he gives three main examples. uh, Prayer, praying, giving money, and fasting. So, in all those three things, praying, giving money, and fasting, you could have the same end result. You could be fasting, you could be giving money, you could be praying. But why do you do these things, right? So he said that the Pharisees, they do it in such a way as to be seen by people. Why do they want to be seen by people? Because they want people to say, what a great holy person this person is. But if we actually look at it, God says that the person has already received Their reward in full. Because if this is what your motivation is, this is your reward. People will think you're a very holy person, but you get nothing from God. Now in the Old Testament times, apparently when people had urgent appeals for money, apparently they would blow the trumpets at the temple so that people would come to the temple to urgently give money. So what a wonderful occasion, right? Because then I could bring this big bag of mine to go to the temple. And when people see this big bag, They're not going to think, oh, you know, Andrew has his dirty laundry going to the temple. They're thinking, Andrew's got this great big bag of money to give to the poor. And they'll think, oh man, isn't Andrew such a generous person? He's such a great guy. And also, when they wanted to pray, there would be special occasions and prayer days where the trumpets would sound for prayer. And again, if I happened to be outside, I could stop there, you know, I could close my eyes and be praying, and everybody could look at me and think, Wow, look at how pious Andrew is. You know, he stops to pray and look at how long he's praying for. He, you know, doesn't he get tired standing there praying in the hot sun? And lastly, when the Pharisees would fast, they would also put ash on their head, right? Now, kind of weird, right? Could you imagine like, you know, you someone comes to our service at BTPC at 4 p.m. You've got all this dirt in your hair, right? And like people are saying, what's wrong with you? You know, you've got like something in your hair, like the hair dies, not working or lots of dandruff or something, right? But that's not it. It's like you're saying, oh, because, you know, I'm fasting, so I'm trying to, you know, show how I'm really, really serious about fasting. But again, you see, in all those three cases, the the object or the motivation or the purpose is to be seen by people. And to be seen by people so that people will say, wow. How righteous and how godly and how holy you are! So I remember, um, many years ago, I don't know if you remember, but there was a polar bear in Germany called NUT. K N U T. Right? Have you heard of NUT? Anyway, you can Google him. I mean, I'm sure that you know K N U T, and he was a very famous um, um, uh, polar bear because he was born in captivity in uh, this Berlin zoo. But Newt became uh, a mass media phenomenon, right? So people used to make toys and books after him. And Apparently when he became very famous in the zoo, the zoo attendance uh, increased 30% and became the most profitable uh, time for the zoo in Berlin ever. But Newt uh, developed a problem because Newt loved crowds and the applause of crowds. And they actually had to take Newt out from uh, the public view and to put him in isolation treatment, so to speak, because he lived for the crowds. And apparently, if you look at the newspaper reports, the zookeepers actually had to pretend to clap for Newt so that he wouldn't go into depression. You see? So, Newt has this problem of wanting always to be seen by people and to always receive applause by people. But... That's exactly the problem that we can have spiritually, right? We want to be applauded for how holy and how spiritual we are, but Jesus actually has one word, one very, very offensive word in the Bible for these people, and three times, right, in verse two, in verse five, and verse sixteen, he uses the word hypocrite. They are hypocrites. The word hypocrite here basically is the idea of an actor. Someone who is playing a part, right? So, the next picture, it's like someone pretending to be something that they are not. Right? So, it looks like you're, you're something, but actually deep down inside, you're not. So, I remember how there was a very rich friend of mine who used to drive a BMW, and he had a girlfriend. And uh, one day he broke up with his girlfriend. I asked him, I said, how come you broke up with your girlfriend? He said, oh, because actually I found out my girlfriend was really interested in me only for, for my money and my BMW. Right? He wasn't really interested in me for as a person. And and I think that's what an actor is, isn't it? It's like you you're actually presenting a front in order to get something, but actually that's not your real motivation. And that's why the Pharisees were hypocrites, because they looked as if they were very holy, They looked as if they loved God. They looked as if they were serving God. But actually, what were, were they really interested in? They wanted the applause of people. They wanted people to feel that they were really holy people. And Jesus says very, very harshly that they have already received their reward in full. There will be no more reward for them in heaven because this was the reward they were looking for and this is the reward they will get. People will think they're very holy. People will think they're great. People will think they're very righteous. But that's all they will get. Now I think that, you know, especially when it comes to um, having a, a reward for our, in our time, maybe one thing that we we want to get recognized for is how generous we are. So I remember going to a building in the city. I can't remember which building it was. Where there's a bit of a plaque or a brick there, and then it said, This person gave X amount of money, and then, you know, it's a big, big bold, you know, uh, capital letters, the person's name, and then at the bottom, it said, To God be the glory. Right? <laughs> then I told my wife, I said, Isn't that really funny? Because, you know, this guy's name is like in capital letters and bold in like 56 font. And at the bottom, in 14 font, you have to God be the glory, right? It's like, wouldn't it be better if you have like in capital bold font, to God be the glory, and then you have the person's name there in 14 font, or not even there at all. But you see, in a sense, what is that person looking for? In putting that plaque up there, I mean, I don't know whether the person asked for it, but what's, what's that person getting? He's getting seen by people every time the person walks past thinking, wow, this guy gave a million dollars, or half a million dollars. But God says that's the only reward you will ever get because that was the reward that you sought. So what is the, the secret then? What is the recommended action that God says that we have to do to not be hypocrites? Well, it's very simple. The, the secret is, the instruction is to do everything in secrecy, right? I remember what one pastor said, secrecy ensures sincerity, Okay, that sounds very good, right? Secrecy ensures sincerity. Because if you do it in secret, then you're not seen by people and you cannot get the applause from people from saying how holy you are. So it's just like, um, when you give money, he says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. I mean, that's, that's, uh, kind of a weird picture, right? Because how can you know, how can your right, I mean, it's your brain that's controlling your right left hand, right? But what he's really saying is, you want to be so secret that even your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. He says when you pray, right, where you actually meant to go into a room to pray. Now, the word here for room is literally the word like storeroom or inner room. It, it is a room without windows. Right? Because you know, I could always go to my bedroom and sit next to the window and be praying there. Everybody sees me praying there and thinking, wow, oh, look at how long Andrew's been praying there, right? But actually what it's saying is go into your house and go into your, your bomb shelter, right? Or go into your inner room or go into your, your cupboard, your, 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 you know, it's a room without windows. Go into your, your closet where you keep all your, your mops and brooms and go in there and pray. Now, I don't think Jesus is being serious here as in that that's what we should do. Go to the, No, our bomb shelter to pray because it'll be very hot and stuffy. But it's just saying that don't pray to be seen. Right? And the last one where he says about how when you fast, uh you should fast in such a way that people can't see it. Don't put ash in your head, but put uh not oil, but like put gel or whatever, and, and, and and wash your face so that you don't look so tired and haggard. Now the Point that really Jesus is trying to make is that, you know, there are two audiences in your life. You play to the gallery, play to the audience of this world, or as your only audience, God the Father. Because the audience that you play for, that's where you'll get your reward. If you only play for the world, so that the world thinks you're very, very religious and holy, then that's where will be your reward. But, if you only play for God, and that's your audience, then that's the reward you'll get. And the reward that God gives is a reward in heaven, something that will never be taken away from you. So isn't it better to only have have God as your audience? Now, there's a bit of a digression in the middle here, where Jesus turns away from this theme of the audience to a praying, all right? And he says, look, you know, in verse uh, 7, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, I think that uh, what he was attacking here is the idea that we can badger God. Uh, You know, I used to go to uh, Toys R -R -R Us a lot when I was was kids uh, with my children. And uh, if you ever go there, You know, you always witness this phenomena where the kids are always saying, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And then they grab the toy off it and they're like holding it, chasing, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, right? And after a while, the poor parent will be like, okay lah, you know, for the sake of, you know, not having such a big scene and being embarrassed, I'll say, okay, you can have that toy. Okay. Actually, I seen it at the supermarket also. You know, I just the other day, I remember just it came to my mind. I was at the supermarket, and then there was this boy. I don't know what, he, what nationality he was—Singaporean, Korean, something—and then he was saying, "I want the sweet, I want the sweet, I want the sweet. sweet, I want the sweet, 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 I want the sweet, the sweet." And then finally, the mother said, "Okay, la, put it inside, put it inside." So we can think of praying to God that way, isn't it? We just keep bugging God over and over again by our many words, thinking that when we ask and ask and ask and ask that somehow God will get sick of us asking and relent. And then He will, He will then answer our prayers. But that sort of thinking is a very pagan sort of thinking because when we then look at God, we don't actually see God as a God who loves and cares for us and knows what's good for us and already knows what's good for us. But rather, we see Him as a God who needs to be badgered and needs to be uh, continually, um, I, I suppose, bothered in this way. So 1 Kings chapter 18 is quite helpful if you look up here on this slide. And this is sort of the pagan understanding of prayer, right? So uh, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning to noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. He said, surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the e- for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now I think when we look at this passage, it, it, it sort of sums up the pagan understanding of the power or the technique of prayer. That you keep shouting, you keep shouting. If you don't, God doesn't hear, you shout louder and louder. If God still doesn't hear, then you do something to arouse God to to, to listen to you. But Jesus says actually that our prayer it's actually very straightforward. And he gives a, a model for the disciples to pray. So the first thing, if this prayer is, says, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now, we can only pray this prayer because we recognize Jesus as our King and we are already in the kingdom of heaven. You see, look, if you look at this slide, unless you are in the kingdom, then you can call God our Father. If you're outside the kingdom, you cannot call God our Father because He won't listen to you. He has no relationship with you because you are still in your sins and you're not forgiven. Only the forgiven person can pray our Father in heaven. So here we actually see something that is very phenomenal to us but we don't recognize because the Jews in the Old Testament never prayed to God as our Father. It's only when Jesus comes that we are told to pray to God our Father because now that the Son has come and adopted us, we as the adopted children of God can pray to God our Father in heaven. Then he he prays six requests, six requests, okay? Three regarding God and three regarding ourselves. So the first three, Hallowed be your name. Now, it's not herald be God's name. It is hallowed be your name. Okay? Hallowed is actually the old English way of saying, your name be considered holy or sacred be your name. It literally means the idea of reputation that God's name will be revered, honored, acknowledged, and people will bow down before the name of God. That's why it says, hallowed be your name. Now the opposite obviously is because we live in a world where people don't hallow God's name. They use God's name as a swear word or as an exclamation or as a joke. But here it says hallowed be God's name. Verse 10 Your kingdom come. Now this is very important again as a Christian because in the next slide we've already seen that with the coming of Jesus the kingdom of heaven is coming to the world and growing right, and expanding. So When we pray this prayer, your kingdom come, we're actually saying, may the mission of Jesus Christ and bringing the kingdom to the world continue to grow. But we're also praying the prayer in future where Jesus will come again once and for all and the full realization of God's kingdom will come in its entirety. Then the third point, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what this means is that all people especially ourselves who pray this prayer, will obey God's will in every way. On earth, as it is in heaven, that means completely obey God's will. The last three requests concern not so much God, His will, His name, His kingdom, but ourselves. Verse 11, Give us today our daily bread. Now in the ancient world, uh, people didn't have insurance and CPF and savings in the bank. They basically got paid week by week as day laborers, or even worse, day by day as day laborers. That means that if I don't work today, I've got no food, I've got no money to eat. Right? That's just, just the way people live. And In a sense, that is the way that we relate to God. We treat God with dependence. You see, the, one of the problems is that when you have lots of money and lots of things, you become very self-reliant. You don't depend on God. When you pray this prayer, Give us today our daily bread. You're saying ultimately that I depend day by day on God's provision, on God's care, on God's love on me. I don't depend on myself. I don't depend on my CPF. I don't depend on EXA. I don't depend on my company. I depend on God to keep providing for me day by day. The next one has to do with debts. It says, Forgive us our debts and also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now the word here, debts, uh, literally is the words for sin. Okay, like, uh, someone's done something wrong to me, he sinned against me. I've done something wrong against God, I've sinned against God. And that's why this links with verse 14 to verse 15. For if you forgive other people when they've sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. Now, I'm sure some people ask me this about this during question and answer time, right? Because we, we, we kind of wish that that wasn't there in the Bible, right? Now, what what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying is not that God will only forgive you if you forgive other people. It's not a causation thing. Rather, it is a, uh, uh um, what do you call it? Uh, it actually shows that we are God's people if we can forgive other people. You see, because we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ of great things, God thinks that we too then should be able to forgive other people of other things. So if you look here at this uh, diagram, right? How do we enter into the kingdom of heaven? Through the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. But... If you can't forgive other people, it's because you haven't appreciated how much God has forgiven you. And that means that you are not really part of the kingdom of God because you have failed to understand the great forgiveness that God has given you. There's actually a parable which comes later in the book of Matthew which talks about the the parable of the, uh, the debtor who's forgiven a lot. But he goes on to then not forgive other people of their debts, and as a result gets punished by God. And the same way is the same for us, isn't it? If you've been forgiven by God, how can you fail to forgive other people when God forgives them too? The last point, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this is actually quite difficult if you actually take your time to think about it, because eh, we just read, right? God led Jesus into the wilderness to be? What? To be tempted. So, how come now he says, don't lead me into temptation. Don't lead us into temptation. Well, I think here the idea is don't lead us into temptation where we will fall into sin. And that's why it's parallel to deliver us from the evil one. So, if you look at this diagram, He's saying, don't deliver us into the temptation where we fall under the power of Satan, the evil one. But deliver us out of temptation, the temptation for which we will fall. So as we look at this uh, passage, we actually see that our prayers can actually be very simple and straightforward. We pray for the things of God, which are important to Him, which is His name, His kingdom, and the doing of His will. We pray for the things which are important for ourselves, for the forgiveness of sins, for the provision of God and the forgiveness of others, and also, last of all, to not sin. Now, a few years ago, uh, this book came out, The Prayer of Jabez, right? Now, when you compare the Prayer of Jabez to the prayer that Jesus said that we should pray, it's actually very, very different. The Prayer of Jabez, the motivation of the Prayer of Jabez was, that God may enlarge my territory, okay, that's what the motivation was. The way I pray is I pray for forty days every day I pray in a row, and God will enlarge my territory. but it's very different from what we're reading today. The focus of the Lord's prayers, sin, forgiveness, dependence upon God, nothing about enlarging my territory, right? making my per square foot area bigger in my house or whatever. And neither is there the sense in which if I pray this prayer 40 days in a row, God must answer my prayer. That's forcing God's hand. That's exactly a pagan prayer. To think that I can pray 40 days in a row and God will definitely answer my prayer is not a Christian prayer, it's a pagan prayer. It's to think that I can force God's hand. So as we look at this passage, I think it's a great challenge to us I find it a great challenge to me anyway. Who am I playing for? What audience am I playing for? Am I playing for the audience of the world or God? What am I praying for? Am I praying for the things of God or am I praying for the things of myself in the world? Now, I think that's so important for us to consider and I hope that as you realize what it means to be a kingdom person, that you will indeed uh, live for the right audience, which is God, and pray for the right things and the right manner that Jesus tells us. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.